They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Shatter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. So of course I'm busting gunny paper, not under the gunnels where it should be, is it? Uh-oh. Hey, what's going on? Smith! Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, quick hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the Tales from the Tinny for yet another week. Smithy's still off a little bit crook, perhaps winding his way ever so efficiently, I guess you'd say, into the Christmas season. Just crook in those last couple of weeks uh, as we lead up. He has been talking a lot about that inverse propor proportional relationship between build-up, December, Christmas and, you know, workplace productivity. Not to imply that you're not actually sick, Smithy. I'm sure you are. So it's me and Packy Andy again on the tinny. How are you, Andy? Very good, Tim. Piscatorially aroused. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. I think, don't know, I want to know a great deal more. Thanks for coming in and helping out again. It is one of those weeks where I suppose you're right. We're all a little bit piscatorially aroused. In fact, I've had one of those weeks, Andy, where I'm, I'm getting really anxious trying to make a decision about where I fish. I'm 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 such a follower, and and not a leader, in this case. And I'm trying to deduce, was that really? Is that still going to be fishing there? Was were those fish caught there? What are these tides doing? Does the wind correlate? And I'm getting myself. I need a, a situation room. I know, I know. And it's it's a thing called FOMO. It's the fear of missing out, and everyone dreads it. You don't want to pick the wrong spot because. Everyone, everyone you see is catching big fish. As you have done over over many months, I attempted setting up a bit of a situation room at home with eight apps open at the same time. And I just went further into a lather of indecision and frustration. Information overload. I was overloaded. And it's not helped by much of the tinny church this week. God bless every single one of you and the contributions you continually make. Oh, and thanks for joining us last week too, by the way, at the Frothy and the Waffle down at the Ski Club. What a great night. It was lovely. Yeah, what was a great night. Really nice to meet a lot of people we, we hadn't met and enjoy a, uh, an icy cold Christmas collaborator. And while uh, for most of the year, uh, the church that is the Tinny is what makes this show, the generous contributions and reports and yarns and taking of the piss, uh, this week it's a whole different week. I would have sifted through... More than half a dozen uh, Facebook private messages, reports, tags and shares of multiple massive barra. In, in not one of them was a location named or divulged or revealed in the pictures. Yeah, cards are being played very close to said chest. Which is, which is perfectly reasonable because there are a lot of big barra around at the, at the mouths of, of the big rivers. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, we it's know coastal that. creeks and 
rock bars and yeah, and it's Shoal Bay as well. You know, Shoal Bay is just such a producer over the last couple of months. Here's here's one of them. Uh, the message simply read 87 92 93 94 103. And the supplementary number? Uh, <laughs> I started guessing. Roper, Finnis, Shady, South, Anson Bay, Daily Mouth. This was from Henry, the fellow who celebrated his first metery by taking his clothes off and putting... Well, it was already there, actually. It was a little Christmas decoration of jingle bells on his old fella. Yeah, I remember that. He took his clothes off and there it was revealed. It had been on his genitals since the night before. Big party. Mm. Anyway, all he said was, uh, look a little bit closer to Darwin. And then all correspondence ceased. <laughs> uh, Reese Shearer with uh, Nick DeCandolo did a lovely operation this week too, Andy. Uh, their post simply read, took Big Mob for a quick run. Uh, it included serious barra picks, you know, beautiful fish. Uh, but depending on where you looked at that post, on Instagram, it was in middle arm. On Facebook, it was at the Finnis. In other locations, it was the Roper. It was a top-class build-up Big Barra duck and weave by Rhys Shearer, the, uh, the man with the greatest mullet yeah. in Darwin. In my old world, they call that counterintelligence. It's I mean, exactly he's, he's, what He's running piscatorial interference. He did, it's exactly, and, and with aplomb. Uh, T-Mud and uh, Rhys Shearer actually just been down the daily too. They said it was bloody quiet. Mm. Yeah, bloody hard work. They were basically fishing for bamboo. Uh, more from the daily over the next hour on the tinny. Adrian uh, from Woolliana and from all those big barra spots. We'll look at how the Vic's fishing how Shady's fishing in the harbour and all the usual. So I hope you can stay with it. And amongst it, a really full-on yarn from one of our Tinny correspondents, one of the broad church who's filed in from the Tinny Coro app, paralysed, unconscious and stranded in croc country. And she started convulsing and her eyes rolled back in the back of her head and she sort of started flopping onto the front, front seat. So I stopped the boat... I was just in, I guess, survival mode, just trying to get back to, to get some help. A few water holes where there could have been a good-sized croc or something like that hanging out. Not pretty, any way you look at it. This is Tales from the Tinny. Hey, mate, Nobber, we call him the fish whisperer because he doesn't know how to catch any. But, um, yeah, he lost a couple. That's probably the most frustrating thing. I've been fishing with him for a long time but never actually seen him catch a fish, so... <laughs> Everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was like faulty towers all over again. The canopy fell over on me and I was sort of reeling with it on top of me and all the net got caught up in the lures that we'd pulled in from other lines and I got caught up in the lures of hanging on the boat and, yeah, I was starting to freak out at that stage. <laughs> Tales from the Tinny. Warren DeWitt is the Ayatollah of the DKVR. He is the president of the Amateur Fishermen's Association of the Northern Territory and is the proprietor of Rod and Rifle uh, Tackle World in Catherine, was absent last week. Decided to go to the Vic instead, Warren. Was it worth the late change of heart? Uh, I'm a bit like Andy. I sort of got pasted a few times. Um, it, it was interesting. I did 847 kilometres, uh, used 440 litres of fuel, <laughs> and caught Barra in the same place if I was only 40 k's down the Victoria River. Oh, so, truly, you only actually needed to travel 40 k's instead of 840. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Spent a whole day on a sandbar uh, from 7.30 to 4.30 uh, one day, which was very soul-searching, and uh, me and Cole sort of 
uh, went over our whole life, I suppose, while we sat in the boat and just waited for the tide to come in. Actually, we did go for a walk and, and found a, a rock that was uh, out in the middle of the sand flat, so to speak, but it had a large uh, moat around it, you could call it, and, and the water was quite clear, and we caught four bar out of there during the time that we sat there waiting for the tide to come in. So that was rather interesting and uh, enjoyable, I suppose. It was an interesting trip because I wanted to go and have a look at new country, I suppose, and that was the whole idea of it, to go and explore some different areas. Including um, the new sandbars and what the view was like from <laughs> atop them. <laughs> well, I know where they are now, so I'll be able to avoid them next time. It's all character building. It's all character. Ask Andy, he knows all about it. It is, Warren. I'm, I'm sharing that pain with you, mate, and there, there is something very much character building and strengthening about it. In fact, I think those that haven't done what you and I have done are missing out. It's like saying... Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like you say, exactly. pound for pound, you know, the, the, tarpon. the tarpon is a great fish. Character building is what you say when you've made a monumental stuff up and everything's gone wrong and it's been horrible. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen your character being any better since you've returning from the Roper, quite frankly, Andy. In fact, you've gone downhill a little. A lot of it's eternal, internal and eternal. <laughs> anyway, Warren, <laughs> this is too deep. Let's get back yeah. to fishing. Fishing. Did you? Yeah. Get, how was the fishing? Yeah, once you got upstream of the Baines, the fishing was really good. 70 to 80 centimetre mark. Up in Angolari was really good as well. We caught a lot of fish on the incoming tide, casting at snags and that up inside Angolari. I enjoyed it probably more than going to the Roper because of the downtime that you have to spend on the Roper, waiting for the right time for those fish to um, bite mm. on the Roper sometimes can be quite uh, frustrating as well, I suppose. Yeah. If you're lucky enough to get to the water, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it> is. <laughs> Did most of the fish come from those rock bars? No, most of them were coming off in snags and the rock bars, yeah. um, but then up inside Angolari, you were actually um, changing it up and you were casting soft plastics, those uh, weedless flat shads doing really well up there, so you could pitch them right back into the back of the snags or let them sink right down and then slowly work them out, and you were getting a lot of fish doing that. You don't hook up as many, I suppose. You get a lot more hits um, and you don't convert them as easy, but certainly you get a lot more bites, which is the... The key to it all is just once you work out the fish are there, you can continue to target. And if the fish hits your soft plastic once, it doesn't mean he'll spook off. If you haven't pricked him with the, with the barb, he'll come back and take that lure on the next cast or the cast after if you give it a rest for a little bit and he'll be back there again. So you certainly work out where the fish are pretty quickly with those soft plastics. Trent hit the hit shoal bay recently on the bigger tides for a bit of a lock-in, did all right. So, yeah, he went up inside the little Howard or thereabouts somewhere. I'm not exactly sure where he went to. He's sort of not telling me, but he did really well, and they got a lot of mud crabs as well. I think he said he caught uh, 18 mud crabs while they were up there on the incoming tide as well. So it's fishing really well, and, and they had a lot of rain up there on the Saturday night, which he was a little bit worried about when uh, they put their boat in Sunday, thinking that the water was going to be too fresh and, and uh, won't fish any good, but... Heck, they did really well, and he said it didn't make any difference. He said the fish were really aggressive, and uh, they lost a lot of fish, obviously. They're mainly using fizzes and surface lures, you know, casting into those lock-in areas on those big bends where you can get out on the bank and walk along, I suppose, and just cast your fizzes or your soft plastics mainly. And they said there were a lot of fish activity basically all the way through that uh, bottom of the tide. Big news of the week, PFAS discovered in Barra in the Catherine River Warren at levels up to eight times higher than the trigger levels for two- to six-year-old kids eating 500 grams a week. John Nakata, who's a member of the Catherine Game Fishing Club, you probably know him, caught a barra yesterday morning in the Catherine. The water looked right, you know, like good flowing water. So, um, And, yeah, my second cast I, I hooked on. And, yeah, pulled him out of the snags and straight up onto the bank and got him. 
62 centimetres. You know, so normally I'd um, take him home, you know, uh, fillet him and, yeah, have a feed for a week. But in this case, John? I, I released it because um, because of the PFAS problem in the in the river. Yeah, on Monday they had a live streaming and that's where they were going to announce what the problem was with PFAS in, in the community. And, and I heard that affected the fish in the in the river. So, yeah, and then that's when I thought, oh, you know, they can't, we can't eat the fish. It's got more PFAS in it than, than the water does. So I don't know what the health, you know, the health issues are after PFAS, but I didn't want to risk it, so I, I, really, I released the barra. bit disappointing because it was a lovely silver barra. The only thing I can do now when I go fishing is just just release all the barra that I catch. I felt like shit about it, you know, because like, that's where I usually catch my fish from. Otherwise, I've got to travel, you know, Timber Creek or up to Darwin. <clears throat> yeah, very disappointing. And how long have you been fishing the Catherine River for, for a feed, John? I've lived in Catherine for a little over 12 years. I've been catching barra out of that river every year, and I've been eating it. And to find out that that's happened, like, you know, I want to do a blood test, you know, so I don't know what's in me, if I've got PFAS or not. Or... Are you going to get your blood tested? Yes, definitely, yeah. I've got a brother in town here and my partner and brother and their kids. If I catch, you know, two or three, you know, I share it around sort of thing. Affects a lot of people there. What do you want them to do about it? Well, sort it out. I don't know if you can. Like, they, they were saying in the meeting that it's going to take a while to bloody get the PFAS out of the river system. You know, I've heard of some people that want to move town because of, because of this problem, you know. I don't know if they can do something about it, but if they can, you know, they, they've got to do it straight away. A lot of people I know use that river for Tucker. Just not barra, it's brim, you know, chirpin, turtle, you know, everything. Yeah, sad but historic week. It's the week that PFAS has come to our beloved sport of barra fishing. Warren, um, I know it's very early days and there's a lot more work to be done, but what could the long-range impact of this be on tourism, for instance? Well, it can have a real effect on tourism if it's not um, managed and, and cleared up as quickly as possible. We're talking about a very small population of fish in the Catherine River moving into the daily, and the odds of you being able to catch one of those fish in the daily are like winning the million-dollar fish. You'll you'll be virtually impossible. And even if you did catch one of those fish that did and was contaminated in the Catherine River, you have to eat more than one for it to have any damage to you. you have to. It's a long-term accumulation. So those people who are living in Darwin or living on the daily or coming up from down south and fishing on the daily, I don't see it being a major problem. All right, Warren, we'll leave it there, mate. Andy, do you want me to book you in for counselling as well, mate? Because I'm going there now. Mate, we could probably share the cost, couldn't we? Uh, can can, can, can we, we take your car, please? <laughs> we might get a, a discount for, t- for two for the price of one. <laughs> See ya. See ya, boys. Cheers. Plenty of those through the week, as we mentioned. But before we get to them, Defence did have a bit more to say on that PFAS issue uh, this week as well. Uh, the fella is the Deputy Secretary, Steve Kraskowicz. Stevie G. Let's call him Stevie G. One of the one of the points I'd make about the fish that we have sampled in the Catherine River, and all of the samples have been from fish that were smaller than the size you're allowed 
samples from the Daly River, fish samples, and those samples, as I understand it, are being analysed and looked at at the moment and will be made available um, when they've been through uh, the necessary quality assurance process. Tim, some million dollar fish uh, history made this week too. Seasons one, season one's uh, 10 fish record was smashed this week, so we're into the 11th fish of the current season that caught by Darwin teenager Waden McHugh. He got a 61 centimetre. And and where he caught it was amazing. Yeah, not, not far from the Nightcliffe jetty earlier this week, um, which is a pretty good effort by the young apprentice plumber. He's kept the fish, of course, and he's going to divide those winnings up between uh, said provider of live bait, Uncle Roger. Oh, good stuff. And said motor vehicle uh, that consumes the rest of his money. So... The barra is destined for the Christmas dinner table uh, at his nana's house. Uh, and unlike, unlike his barra, um, the competition is still alive, Tim. And that runs through to the end of February next year. So what that really means is there's 89 $10,000 barras still out there. Left, yeah. And, of course, the million-dollar barra um, still out there as well. We didn't consider this with our task from the Tinny Piscatorial Prenuptial Agreement is land-based fishos. Because it was kind of related to the skipper on the boat and the other crew. Mm. But uh, it was Waden, wasn't it? Has, yeah. Has done the right thing here by giving some of the coin to the person who provided, uncle, who provided the live bait. Exactly. So that's, good. That's pretty thoughtful. Yeah, it's pretty bloody fair it's too, th- Good on you. Good on you, Waden. You can pick up that uh, TFT, Piscatorial Prenuptial Agreement, at all the big tackle stores in town. Sign it before you go out. Work out how to divvy up the coin. Or you can pick it up here at Tinny HQ at ABC. Brad Woolhams, he's given us a hoy. Uh, morning, gents. A couple of fish from Argentina and Brazil. Lovely. He's out there chasing peacock bass and golden dorado. And he's held a little sign up against one of them um, that just reads hairy. Obviously, uh, in memory of the late Tony Hare, one of the legends, legend fishermen of the Daly River. Yep. He did a week in Argentina on the Golden Dorado. His biggest was two 52-pound fish, 348s and 446s. Uh, and then he went off to the Amazon and caught 1,900 peacock bass. 1,900 peacock? Now, is that a measurement or is that a is, is that a volume? No, I think that's numbers of. Either way, that's pretty impressive. So good times on the Amazon. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Not the only report filed in this week. Uh, not the only hoy from overseas. Roscoe a bit later filed into Tinny HQ on the field recording app which you can download for free and install on your phone. Just flick us a text or a message and we'll get you the link. Uh, But from halfway across the world, somewhere quite exotic, drinking fine beer, and the sense I got, having to listen to it already, was that he's just rubbing it in. I mean, it's Christmas and you're stuck in the very hot, wet season of Darwin, which isn't all bad, but it's not the Galapagos Islands. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. Tinny boys, turn to tackle. Woo! G'day, I'm Ray Medlicott from Buffalo Creek. Tell me the truth, Ray. Tell me the truth about meteries at Shoal Bay. The truth and only the truth, as you know it. Depends who you listen to. It depends who you want to believe. Truth can be manipulated in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. Especially on Facebook. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard of a few. I've heard of a few meteries, but I haven't heard of all that many. Heard of a lot in the 80s and 90s, but not a lot over a metre. Mainly around the rock and King Creek. 
Uh, a lot of people are trawling these uh, bigger tides up around the corner at the mouth of, of King Creek and they're picking them up. A couple have been picked up on the bend. They're out there, so you obviously just got to get out there and get them. Little Howard's been getting a fair bit of a pump too. What sort of tides are working? The smaller tides, these big tides aren't working all that well, but I mean, you can't beat coming off onto a neap a couple of days before the neaps or the couple of days after the neaps and not building tides. I mean, they normally work out pretty well. Biggest tides of the year on Tuesday. Do you know how many boats were stuck across, littered across the Shoal Bay sandbars? Or no one brave enough to go out on that big movement? I can tell you, uh, honestly, there wasn't one person here. <laughs> Sensible. We're learning. Absolutely. <laughs> Crustaceans, mate. Crustaceans, uh, people are getting a feed, but that's all they're saying. There's no big numbers that, that have been reported. I'm, I'm waiting for a chappie to come back today to uh, give him the mail on what's going on around uh, Meckett Creek and the crabs. And a little warning on the boat ramp, a fella contacted us the other day saying the silt's so bad it's down to one lane. It's down to one lane all the time. Um, there's a big pile of sand on the, on the left hand side of it as you're going down, it's been there for ages. They moved it a few weeks back but uh, these big tides bring it back again. Good on you Ray. <laughs> Cheers Tim. When are you getting out Nick? Oh, I don't know, it's Christmas. Other priorities? Yeah, party time. Enjoy the party Ray. Merry Christmas. Tales from the Tinny. Yeah, Tim, if you wanted to find a definition of potential disaster, I would say that uh, the lowest tide of the year and Shoal Bay would be a pretty good combination. Yeah, did you see the video um, that's been by Stephen? I did. Yeah, ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Uploaded, in fact, there's a lot of good stuff there from the lowest tide of the year this year. Um, and Stephen uploaded a video of the incoming tide on that day. And boy, can you see it. Oh, man. And one person posted, that's what you want to see uh, when you're stuck. You know, rescue, relief. Mm. You're going to float again. Doesn't happen, does it? Trickles in when you're stuck. Yeah, because <laughs> this is racing in. But mine was the counterpoint, that it's, it's not what you want to see when you're stuck and you've gone for a walk and you've walked too far from the boat. I've probably recounted this story more than once, but that happened to m- me and my brother once. He's in Pella Blue. We got stuck on a sandbar, went for a long walk, didn't even think about the speed the tide would come back in, and we both pretty much almost drowned. Like, we were up to our nipples, walking against that five or six knot current, trying to get back to the boat, completely out of our depth. He kept, my brother kept walking. I pretty much... It's good, good bye, bro. I turned around and came back to the only sandbar, the only bit that was still out of the water, and screamed my head off. And luckily, we were rescued by a passing boat. Well, yeah, that ba- bad, pretty, bad stuff happens quickly. That's one of the, the truisms of life. And uh, you, you, the tides don't wait. You know the saying. Anyway, the other good stuff on Facebook is the um, the videos and the pictures. Amazing mm. of some aerial drone photography of all the wrecks in and around the harbour on the low tide. Have a look at ABC Tales from the Tinny. On Facebook. You're about to hear another magical mullet moment from the hectic bust-up known as Tales from the Tinny. Don't let any of them get away. Subscribe to the podcast at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider. Hey, how you doing? I'm Belinda. I'm from Acacia. We're outside what allegedly is your workplace, but is it just a ruse, a front 
for the logistical planning for your next fishing operation, Belinda? Well, you know, there's a lot of planning on the internet. There's a lot of checking of tides, a lot of checking of wind, and I'm a bit closer to the beach here, so I actually get to see what's going on a little bit better than acacia. This work theme just seems tokenistic from the number of big missions you've been stitching together this build-up. Oh, I haven't done a bad job, but I've been saving them up all year. So, um, you know, the build-up is my favourite time to fish. We headed to King Ash Bay. All these people that are going to the rope are mad, breaking trailers and uh, um, tyres and stuff because King Ash Bay is um, bitumen all the way to about 20 k's out. Fish leading up to the full moon, um, mainly for Barra. Uh, a bit windy to go out to the islands, which would be our favourite spot. Um, but we killed it in Barra. We cleaned up in three days. Like We bagged out. Well, there's a nice little smackdown for all the horror stories we've been hearing. <laughs> yeah, um, look, no fish. Well, we didn't catch fish of size. Well, I didn't catch fish of size. I've got a mate that we go with that um, bit competitive, and uh, she caught an 84 or an 83. She's going to kill me, I don't know. Name um, her. Uh, let's just call her Tinas. <laughs> Another yeah. little sideways she, swipe. She doesn't need to be named. She knows who she is. Let's call it a 79 centimetre barrow then, shall we? Yeah, we'll do that because I'm sure that she was just stretching it out a little bit. But it was off my spot and my creek. So, you know, I just pulled um, six barrow out of there and she just comes along and just pulls this stonker. Like, beautiful silver barrow. But we heard of Meadery's Court. Um, you know, one old fella come over to show us his 108 that he happened to have in the esky. So I think he was skiting a little bit. So there were meteries there, but we just got numbers. We just killed it. And how important is local knowledge being with someone who knows the patch? Look, we've been there the last three or four years, um, but prior to that, um, my mate's Tinas's dad, um, he's fished that area for 20-odd years, and we went with him, and we got all the knowledge that we needed. So it's really important. Respect to Sir Tinas. Uh, respect to Mr Tinas. Sorry, Professor Tinas. Yes, that's right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you mounted up on the similar set of tides uh, on the last set and hit Dundee. Yeah, we went out on the Sunday, um, that big storm that came through and the you know the photos you see the Chinaman fishing that big 85 Goldie. We hit um, on the Sunday instead of the Saturday, um, which is lucky because I wouldn't have wanted to be in that storm. Um, look, we went straight to Blaze. It was a bit choppy. It was a bit crappy. Um, we went to Blaze. The plan was to go out wider Perrins um, and Super Skipper, we'll call her Super Skipper. Um, she always um, gives us the good. So we put in an order when we first jump on the boat and she tends to do okay. What you just say, we'd like uh, three... Goldies, we'll have a couple of trout. I wouldn't mind a cobia, I haven't got one of them in a while. And Super Skipper delivers. Absolutely. Who are these people? It's a secret. <laughs> yeah, look, it's just the girls. They just they just know what they're doing. And what was your order? This time we had put in an order for a cold trout. Um, we always put in orders for go um, freight train goldies. There was an order for a cobia. We had sort of spotted a couple before. Um, we haven't been able to hook up and we didn't see one this trip. We went to Blaze initially. We were going to head wide of the parents, but in the end, um, we went to a spot and I've got a specific text message that says do not share this spot. We've never seen anybody fish here. The last three trips that we've done smack coral trout 55 centimetres every time. Massive goldies every time. It won't be the only text message that reads when that <laughs> bloke from the tinny comes round. Tell him nothing. <laughs> You've done your job. I have. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at keeping secrets and I generally just spill my guts. So, um, yeah, I've been told. I'm on strict instruction. But a great trip, though, with all the top quality reef species. Yeah, awesome. Um, you know, i got a monster cod. i got a massive goldie. I was cleaning up while the girls were breaking lines and, you know, rigging up. And um, I had the esky half full by the time they sort of put a line in. But Tinas, um, as her nature, um, Super Skipper pulled up a 45 and two seconds 
kilometres later, 10 hours, 55 coral trout, like coral trout. It was just, she can't even let anybody have the limelight. It's disgusting. You must talk some extreme trash. You never actually talk it up too much until your boat's on the trailer because my Goldie got smoked by her trout. So you keep it relatively quiet until you know you've got the goods in the bag. So it's the trip home when the real trash talking starts. Exactly, when you know the beers are flowing um, and there's yeah a little bit of shit going around. And how was that piss ant Goldie you got today, Belinda? Exactly, she's shocking and she measures and she remembers. She's terrible. <laughs> That's not where it ends. This tokenistic appearance today at work is just in between the planning for the next session, which starts tomorrow you're blasting off. Yeah, we're heading out um, absolutely straight. Um, I know everyone's going to say tide's wrong, and they might be, but um, we got excited about it. Um, It's Super Skipper's birthday on the Saturday, so, you know, look, they might be big tides fishing absolutely, but we're just going to suck it up and see. Yeah, why why would you not want to spend four days on a mothership with a a boat just dodging around absolutely straight, picking up barra and, you know, goldies and jewies and whatever else we ordered, you know? Who cares? My money's on you this time, Belinda. And a shout-out to you, Super Skipper. And Tinas, have a great trip. Thanks very much, Tim. Oh, what a powerhouse mob. Wouldn't you love to meet Super Skipper and Tinas? They will be trash-talking their little asses off out of the Aspley straight as we speak. They sound like absolute champions, you know, and I, I do note that comment, all these people that are going to the Roper are mad, and I, I resemble that remark, Belinda. <laughs> as opposed to resent. You do resemble I that resemble remark. I resemble it. <laughs> I've got to tell you that Roper um, story from last week, the gift that keeps on giving. What I found two days ago uh. were 20 hard-boiled eggs that were left in the turned-off angle in my humid garage. Oh, this! I'd forgotten to unpack the angle in all the drama of getting yeah, home and just this, wanting to wash the boat. still goes on. <laughs> it does. I thought we could let this go, man. I've smelled some bad stuff in my life, <laughs> my, particularly my former life, but this was... I, I nearly passed out. It, yeah. was, it was awful, Tim. Tales from the Tinny. So much talk of Shoal Bay, the massive tides. Warren stuck on the Vic sandbar for an entire day. As always, TFT Enterprises comes to the rescue. Come on, come on, come on! Ah, it's no good, fellas. Tide waits for no one. We're here for the long haul. Ah, oh, missus is going to bloody kill me. Sound familiar, fishos? Left your run to open water just a couple of casts too late. Next thing you know, you're high and dry and looking down the barrel at 12 or more hours of brain-baking boredom in the build-up sun. But fear not, with TFT Enterprises, help is always at hand. Hey, 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 calm down, you mob. I'm the man with the plan. Check this baby out. The Tales from the Tinny TFT Bird. The TFT perb transmits a coded data stream to our geostationary low-orbit satellite which relays the signal to TFT headquarters. Just whip it out, kick it in the guts and sit back and wait. Then, before you can say location by trilateration in combination with triangulation... Approaching drop zone. Should have visual shortly. Roger. Target acquired. Yep, there they are. Heading 169 
TFT Burb Rescue Ration Packs come in a number of taste-tailored options. There's the Landlocked Live Baiter Pack, containing an esky packed with OP rum and green cans, a cold servo barbecue chook, a pouch of roll-your-owns, including papers and an eighth ounce of Humpty Doo Hydro, and a copy of the latest picture magazine. The founded fly fisher option parachutes in a chiller pack of crisp and elegant New Zealand Sav Blancs, a platter of fine cheeses, a tray of sushi and the latest fin review. Oh, outstanding work. Just delightful. We're saved. Well done. Hurrah. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to be marooned alongside a flotilla of fellow non-travellers, you might like to opt for the Super Bonza Sandbar Party Pack, a 90-litre esky pack to the gunnels with boutique Aussie grog, an 8 by 6 metre shape marquee, three frisbees, a full backyard cricket kit, a giant beach ball and a karaoke boombox. So next time you get stuck, fishos, get stuck in. With the TFT perb and the TFT Rescue Ration Pack, you'll never be high and dry. It's just more must-have merchandise from the fab folk at Tales from the Tinny Enterprises. Uh, G'day, I'm Reese from uh, Stewart Park. I've been in the uh, quest for a metery pretty hard for the last five years. Sort of been known as guy who's king of the 90s. Haven't been able to get that metery. We were just trolling and um, yeah, it was on and yeah, it was a good fish and uh, we got it to the boat and the boys were sort of like, yeah, you know, that's your metery. Starting to celebrate a bit early. I'm like, hang on a minute, I've been here before. Get the brag mat out, let's measure it. And sure enough, it was another 99. No longer than five minutes later, the rod went off again and um, this time, yeah, this fish was definitely a bit bigger and it stayed down a bit deeper and we had a net malfunction it was down to the boogers and um, yeah hats off to Stewie he, he got it with the boogers got into the boat and just looking at the fish we were pretty confident it was a metery and um, yeah sure enough um, yeah she came in at 105 and um, I finally broke the duck didn't really get a lot of time to enjoy the moment because you know, we're on a bit of a session and the boys were keen to keep going and um, just as I cracked my beer to sit down and have a quiet one, celebrate, um, the rod went off again and a 96. Such a good feeling and uh, more of a release than anything, you know, to get that monkey off the back. We topped the day off there by um, taking the seats out of the boat sticking him in the sand and um, we had a nice bottle of red that we all enjoyed as the, the sun went down and um, Dan Harris, he's a bit of a master on his cob cooker and he did the boys up a nice roast and yeah, just perfect way to end, yeah, an amazing day. And there wasn't a person in sight. Living the dream. It's done. It's done, Reese. Did you see the pic of their camp on Facebook? That is living the dream. Oh, wasn't it? Demolishing what was actually a lamb shoulder and roasted veg slow-cooked over charcoal in the cooker. 
according to Dan, the, the chef. That was a magnificent-looking fish too. You can see it on Facebook. It is the the perfect barramundi, the, the gold in its tail and its fins and how it's held and how it's presented. Just beautiful. Really, really good photo. And, you know, that, that sort of a fish and then ending it in that sort of a way that's just living the territory dream. Mm. I do like the ambition too. You know, I've got my metery now after all the struggle. What's next? Next is the big one, the 110, yeah. the 120. And is the juggernaut. The horse. Maybe we need a medal system because, you know, the gold medal for me was always the metery, but there's this next category, perhaps the platinum medal, and that's the, you know, the mega horse, the 110, the 120, the 130. Because meteries are just so common for everyone else other than Reese. And us. And me. Yeah. (laughs) It's been the quietest of really most of the big top-end rivers over the last few months, the daily, when we need wisdom. We go to the man covered in barnacles, Adrian from Woolliana. I'm lost for speech. You're a nice man. Well, you said something about barnacles, yeah, well, meaning I, you're I kind of wise and old. I don't want to go there again. I'm too old. You first visited the Daly in 1966. I was 22 years of age. You bought Woolliana in 99. How many fish have you caught, would you say, so far this year, 2017? Well, fishermen are liars, but I actually kept a bit of a record because something very un- unusual has happened this year that over 70% of the fish, well over 70% of the fish I'm catching are undersized. Uh, I've caught over 2,000 so far this year. Have you ever seen that amount of small fish in the river, Adrian? Memory gets a little bit convoluted at times. I have good memories and some unusual memories. About all sorts of things. I recollect seeing this spread of small fish. Usually there are areas where they congregate for various reasons, safety being one, food, food being another, but this is just right through the river. I went out last Saturday afternoon or night and we caught 20 barramundi in about two hours and only one was a keeper. 42 fish without a keeper. And what are you um, defining as small fish? What are we talking here, like slightly under legal or or real small, like 20, 30 centimetre fish? Under 55. How's the river looking and how are you fishing it? At the moment we've got a massive tide, so the river is not fishing at all. Uh, A rising river or very large tides are problematic, which is another word for difficult to fish. And at the moment, I was going out last night with my mate Harold Sinclair up the road and we decided against it. We had the biggest tide for quite a while, uh, uh, 7.9 metres. It's unfishable. We had a number of boats on the river on the weekend. I went out with a friend just to show him the river. I caught nothing. How's that Browns Corner looking at the moment, also known to uh, others as Sphincter Corner? Four snags there, two are visible with boys on them and two are not, and they're the ones that'll get you. Stay on the left hand going downstream, left hand or western side. As you pass the first rock bar, dart straight into the right hand side, the eastern uh, bank, and there are four large logs there. Two of them are visible with boys, and two of them are not. And the one two that aren't, that aren't are a bit of a problem. So the best thing is to go slow. Is the river likely to start dropping if we don't get a lot more rain, Adrian? It's pretty static at the moment with big tides still. I think it's about one point. Well, yesterday I looked, it was 1.7 over the crossing mm. and steady. Uh, there's no backup rain. I, we've had no rain last Sunday morning at about oh, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. I, we got 158 mil of rain, but we haven't had much rain since. Just a bit, a bit of uh, drizzle and that's it. I've got a hard and fast rule and people can make their own mind up. I like to fish tides between 5.8 and 6.5 metres are dropping water. Rising water is very difficult to fish. Andy, you jotted all that down, didn't you? 
I did actually write that. I don't often steal intel from the tinny. 5.8 to 6.5 on a dropping water. So, Adrian, employing all the wisdom of all those tons of barnacles in which you are encrusted, when is our next window? For a river that is going to be dropping, so you need to do some meteorological uh, predictions here, a river that's going to be dropping, coinciding with a 5.8 to 6.5 tide. Look, you've got to be fair about this, mate, because claptrap means nothing. You've got <laughs> He's saying I'm full of claptrap. Bullshit, in other words. Yeah, you're dead right. You've got a situation whereby meteorology is, is a science and it's also an art form, and I haven't got a bloody clue what sort of rainfall <laughs> we're going to get. So all I can say is go back to basics. If the river's rising, uh, don't bother. If the river's falling, yeah, it'll work. You are a good man, Adrian. It's nice to speak to you again. You have a great Christmas. I just want to leave you one bit of wisdom, if I may. The reason oh, yes. why I seem to have liked Barramundi, we would have saved ourselves $150 million on a, on a uh, plebiscite, or a, non, a non, uh, non-binding non postal non, vote. Non-compulsory, non-binding. We should do what Barramundi do. All become the same gender, and people want to jump the fence. They put their their name in the box, and they can go downstream and spawn. The, well, if, the life of a protogenius hermaphrodite. If, if we, <laughs> is that what they're called? Yes. So if humans were a protogenius hermaphrodite, we wouldn't have needed a non-binding that's, postal that's vote because everyone would have, would have had a crack at whatever. That's where I was heading with that. What, yeah. we will, what we will settle on is that we can learn a lot from a barramundi, an animal with a brain the size of a sultana. Thank you, Adrian. Have a good day. Good on you. Give someone a fish, they'll eat for a day. Teach them how to fish, they'll eat servo hotbox food before dawn and be drunk by midday. Tales from the tinny. The 2018 lineup for ABC Darwin was announced during the week. We will still be here, fishers. But a change in time again, we're off to 5.30 to 6.30. That's the live time slot on a Friday afternoon. It'll be replayed Saturday morning, as usual. And, of course, you can get a more fulsome tinny. Let's call it the mothership. If you're tuning in live, on air, it's the tender. The tinny tender. But if you want the full mother load, download the mothership, the podcast. It's pretty easy to do. I know we talk about it a lot, but if you're not used to it, on Apple devices, there's already a little icon automatically, a little eye that's your podcast app. Just go in there and search Tales from the Tinny and hit subscribe, and then it's on your phone whenever you want it. On Android devices or on your desktop, just Google our podcast provider device and then search us, and it'll download automatically and you can listen, listen wherever. So that's the plan for next year. A pick of the presenters was released to the media as well. Sam noted, I see Trevor the Rubbish Warrior finally got a foot in the door at the ABC. Is he in that Tinny Fellas crew? He was definitely, because Rob wasn't in the pick. I mean, he's clearly referring. I get enough of it from Rob, thanks, Sam. But yes, the hobo guy there is the guy from the, the Tinny Fellas. Is that why you've just stacked up a little pile of papers on the edge of the studio oh. desk here? It's, my, it's my art installation. I'm sorry. God, he does a great job, Trev. Well, it's fish it's a compliment co- more than anything. It's fish of course. We rely heavily on the weather, uh, Tim, and the Bureau of Meteorology Climate Outlook was released this week. 
So normally at this time of the year, um, you'd see some monsoonal forming, but it's actually not happening at the moment. The monsoon's still sitting way above the equator. Ah, we need her coming down. Yeah, so at this point, we're looking at sort of more, more hot and dry weather, that sort of pre-build-up conditions uh, over the next couple of weeks. But the overall outlook, Tim, for this wet season is still for average rainfall. And for that, it, it means for us about 1,700 millimetres in the Darwin region and around the 1,000 millimetre mark in Catherine. Roger. Bearing in mind that I think it was going to be average last year and it was well above average, so anything can happen. Yeah, it's a shame the monsoon's still a fair way off. A couple of weeks, they reckon. Yeah, certainly hot and dry for the next couple of weeks. Mm, okay. But it'll move. It always moves. Well, that's a bigger fishing window, isn't it? Well, Maybe just wrapping up at Christmas lunch when the monsoon comes in. Perfect, actually. Absolutely. Why not? So it begins, the uh, at least some of those rains bringing uh, river level rises in some parts of the top end. You might have seen the video of the first, it appears, I mean, you shouldn't laugh, it's bloody serious, first car washed off east, mm. off Kales. I mean, it just happens every year, so it begins. It does. Troop, big troopy. You can see the video at Facebook, everyone okay, so no one hurt. Another recipe for disaster, though. I mean, you take a, a fast-flowing river like that and a shark and croc-infested yeah. waterway. Yeah. No, that won't stop anyone having a crack at it. No. Alex Thorpe, Ben Armat, Nathan McGregor. A Facebook report, you'll see it, yet another. Good on you guys. This sounded like a cracking report. They got around 60 barra and couldn't stop in this session. Didn't say where. Presume a big river or coastal creek or sort of coastal rocks, those sorts of areas at a guess. I don't mm. know. Uh, three metre plus fish. Oh, here we are. Three, three metre plus fish in the small coastal creeks that they were in. Unbelievable session. You can see the pics if you just want to experience the pain. ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. From across the vast expanses of the wild and untamed top end, intrepid Tinny correspondents risk rampage and ridicule from crewmates to bring you the truth. Incoming, incoming, incoming. Good afternoon there, fellas. Roscoe, your roving reporter sitting on the beach on Santa Cruz Island in the Galapagos enjoying a nice cold cerveza or two um, actually I'm in behind the mangroves at the moment but I can't see any mud crabs because I don't think they exist here some large iguanas marine iguanas just cruising around they're just not scared of anybody near the rocks is a bunch of young sea lion chicks pretty happy to go and have a chat to them actually but there is a big male cruising the shallows having a bit of protection he's been barking a little bit at me won't venture over because the last time i did that the thing came rushing out of the water and chased me up the beach a bit the variety of birds you go snorkeling there's sharks and rays and can swim with the sea lions. Nighttime, there's there's just this plethora of seafood, dirt cheap. It's just been great. So is the beer, by the way. But anyway, look, really, I do miss all you guys over there, and I'm looking forward to getting back, get Tebs back underway for 2018. Enjoy your Friday afternoon, fellas. We do love you reporting in on the app. Email fishing at abc.net.au. Hit us up at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Just send us a message. 
and we'll get you the link. It's free to install and you can use it whenever. We do love it. But what the hell are you trying to prove, Roscoe? From the Galapagos, drinking Savosa, gorging out on seafood, enjoying the wildlife. That's just using the app to rub it in, isn't it? G'day, fellas. It's Ronald Vukulis at Fishing and Outdoor World. How much longer do we have left to take advantage of this bounty, Ronnie? I don't know, mate. Well, we, we sort of haven't had the range eased off a little bit, so uh, there's plenty of fish around. I think the key so far, and you'd probably agree, it's been water clarity. I think that's the uh, the emphasis on, on water clarity. Anywhere that water's been clean in the rivers, those uh, fish and some big fish, it's been game on. The number of reports of big fish is phenomenal. The challenge is identifying where and when. Clean water. I had, you know, you had varying reports. I was chatting to Mickey at Springtide, and he indicated that Shady had fished really well for him just midstream. Um, yet I had another fellow who goes out there pretty regularly, and he told me that on the occasion he went Shady Camp was poor because it was dirty, and he went into Tommy Cut halfway up, and yeah, it was the water was clean, and there was stacks of fish. He was vibing the snags, and on the incoming tide, it was really good. And another report this week from Tristan Sloan and David Cherivolo who went out and got a few threadies and then hopped out at one of the barrages and went for that, that walk in the long grass, the, walk, the treacherous walk through the croc-infested country and got uh, six barra at the top of the barrage in 20 minutes. Maybe they thought because there's cane toads and no king browns anymore, so maybe it's safe to do that. But, yeah, no, it, is a, it can be a little bit, little bit hairy. But, yeah, I think you're, you're rewarded. But interesting, both time, the, the reports of Shady that I had was that the, the mouth itself hasn't fired at all and I think it's just we haven't really had um, it's been pretty windy this whole time like I don't know if it's La Nina and it's sort of active but we just haven't really had that period of real sort of you know just virtually no wind now it's always been a little bit breezy so yeah it's it's both you know you always assume shady this time you know it's yeah the fish will be down the mouth but they seem to be yeah halfway up and just finding that clean water and that's been the same uh with some fellows who've done well over in the Wilshires it's just a matter of playing Wilshire Lotto go up number two I think because that's got the most structure and then you get there and oh it's a bit dirty can't find anything quickly race down to one or whatever and if you get that clean water you you'll find fish Yes, seen a couple of those good reports from the Wiltshires. Um, I think one boat got nearly 30 fish. I, I saw some of those uh, photos of those big fish that came from the Roper and um, there was there's some pretty good photographers in there. There is not a landmark in sight. There is, <laughs> there is nothing defining. All you've seen are these boys with these big Godzilla-sized barramundis and you try and find some. And in fact, what was interesting was in a couple of those photos, there was a stack of boats in the background which ordinarily you would uh, you would think oh, it's shady or something but I actually thought I thought I reckon that's the rope right out out to see where they're all going and Shoal Bay's still been that's been the best one I reckon this year I I you know I don't reckon it's fished as good as it has this year both in the rock and then you know further upstream I had a mate that walked in because um, his boat was playing up so he actually did a walk in uh, two weekends ago so basically the same tides as what we'd have this week and um, somewhere near somewhere near Scrubby, that's all he gave me, a deep a hole, but he could obviously walk in from near the boat hire. And he was fish buffing. He didn't get any real big fish. He got a, a fish 83 and a couple of 70s, but they were actually buffing on the that bottom of the tide. And it was yeah, brilliant, about 25 fish. That's awesome. And, and we actually snuck in there um, a couple of weeks ago as well. And, uh, yeah, we got some nice fish. Interesting, found a, just a really, the, the main hole that we'd normally sit in, got one fish. It was really quiet. And then did this long walk and you know up further and found a, a really small hole probably half the size of his shop and would have pulled 20 fish out of this essentially one snag i've never never actually seen a barabite like it in terms of 
sort of in such a confined area and continually biting. We'd, we'd sort of caught four or five, and I'd, you know, I had some mates up from south, and I said, oh, just expecting it to, to go quiet, and uh, just kept biting and biting. mix of, uh, you know, we're using like those just prawn patterns, and I've been, you know, using those, um, that wedge tail style soft plastic, but that little, um, that flashy little blade on the bottom. So, you know, the, the, the hook that I've been using is the, the owner flashy swimmer, and the 5.0 just matches perfectly but interesting i reckon that little blade makes a hell of a difference but yeah the, the fish just kept biting in, in such a confined area never seen it like that before and the reports from king we've always known that big fish are in king it seems a lot of people are really using their structure and side scanner now to see them sitting on the bottom yeah. and just wait for them to lift though you know that soft vibe style lure makes a makes a huge you know it makes a huge difference so a lot of these innovations are, i think the, the vibes sort of originate out of japan but they're good fishermen but yeah just essentially teabag and barramundi who would have who would have thought but um yeah that that's been the big advancement is knowing how to use those sounders but there's been some some of those scream captures say from the rock where the fish haven't been biting but you can see hundreds of them on the sounder and we're talking about it would you want to do you want to know they're there like you know when they're not biting (laughs) you can see all these barramundi do you want to know they're not there does that inspire you to keep going or does that sort of drive you insane Maybe a little technological innovation for the future there, the smart sounder that goes, oh, no, that looks way too good. We better not show him that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it just I reckon, you know, you can see that fish. It would obviously inspire you, but after a while you think, what's you know, oh, yeah. what's going on here? But I, I think listening to some of those gun bar anglers that I chat to that come in the shop and it's all about where those fish are, you know, where those fish are sitting, you know, and it'll be a certain part of the tide or whatever, and they'll notice they move, come up, whatever, and, and next thing it's game on. They're a frustrating fish, Barramundi. That's, that's why we love them, isn't it? South, Anson Bay, Mouth of Daly type areas. Haven't heard, but that's fished well the whole the whole time. I haven't actually had anyone from the last set of tides, but the Ansons have fished good all year. Actually, I, I did have some fellows that pushed down um, past the Moyle and did really well down that way. So I think just this the usual build up type thing, which should continue until we get sort of you know, a serious dump of. Lanina rain. Finnis is the other one to mention, although again difficult to confirm that any of these multitude of photos from of big fish are from there. But reasonable su- to suspect it's it's worth a crack. One can just make the assumption. I think this. I mean, the way I've been saying to people, and I'll use that Wilshire's as an example. So this year, you know, a month ago, I got 25 fish in there. I don't reckon I got 25 fish in 10 trips last year. So it's just been a better year on the rivers. And you know, we you know we say that you know, assume can make an ass out of you and me, but you just assume that any of those rivers until we get some sort of hefty downpours are going they're all gonna be worth a shot and it's just a matter of being able to, to find that, that water clarity. That just seems to be seems to be key. So go up the river, just don't have any preconceived ideas about where you're gonna fish. You know, you might have a location, oh this fish good for me usually, but if you get there and the water's not quite right just go further up or back down and just find that you know that, that nice green water and game on i reckon and probably only got a few weeks to take advantage of it too before the big rain set in hopefully it, you know boxing day you just stay and watch a cricket because it's you know we're getting a couple of hundred mils over a weekend so we'd love to have you know a big dump around so yeah not long to go hopefully maybe a, you know, a week or two and then it's just going to be plenty of rain that that's my christmas wish anyway Merry Christmas, Rob. Merry Christmas to everyone, and uh, hopefully, yeah, see you all in the new year with a um, yeah, plenty of rain and plenty of big, big slabs of barramundi. G'day, guys. You're uh, talking with Zarina and Alan here. Um, got a bit of a story to tell you. So this was down Leaders Creek. We knew that the tide was going to trap us in for the full day, so caught 
uh, Barra and then um, caught a nice fat jack, so going pretty well for us. And then a couple of March flies came out just out of nowhere. They were, they were biting us, so as you know, they're pretty uh, vicious up here and um, had a bad bite on my toe and I could... Like it was really hurting like more than usual. So I was rubbing ice on it and I started to get itchy and never really had that before. I thought maybe it was like a tick or something. So we were you know, stressing out. So I stripped off all my clothes, see if there was anything on me. My whole body was just coming up in hives and a rash, freaking out a little bit. Yeah, my, my sight started to go in and out. Like Alan was yelling at me like, oh, how many fingers am I got? got up and I just couldn't see anything like it just faded to black and then I passed out. Grabbed a really cold bottle of water and poured it over her. She sort of became a bit more coherent. I was just watching her at the front of the boat trying to keep in contact with her and she started convulsing and her eyes rolled back in the back of her head and she sort of started flopping onto the front front seat so I stopped the boat, got up, grabbed her, bring her down the back with me. I grabbed another bottle of freezing cold water I poured it over her, and then she was able to talk to me again like normal, but it didn't last very long. From that point on, she passed out again onto me and had absolutely no motor functions at all, um, no response. I didn't have time to you know, check what was going on. I just kept trying to make my way to the ramp because it's the only way I knew uh, to get her to safety. Unfortunately, with the low tide... I knew there was no way we were going to even make it back to the boat ramp. Maybe 700 metres before the boat ramp. Couldn't go any further with the outboard, so got out and I tried to push the boat for a bit and then I chucked the anchor out and tied it up to get it prepared for the, you know, have it a go, I guess, to try to prepare for the incoming tide whenever it did come. At that point, Zarina was still completely passed out. I didn't even know if she was still with me or not. I was just in... I guess survival mode, just trying to get back to to get some help. You're with Tim and Andy on Tales from the Tinny, and if you've just tuned in, we're hearing from Zarina and Alan, who have filed in a report from the Tales from the Tinny field reporting app, and they're stuck out at Leaders Creek, like any river in the top end, like any creek in the top end, there's crocs in it. They're marooned on a low tide, about 700 metres from the boat ramp. Zarina's been bitten by March flies and is at some points paralysed, coming in and out of consciousness and convulsing. And they're just about out of water. And they've got to get help. So we'll take you back as they make the decision about what to do next. Tales from the Tinny. Out of nowhere, she came to and she talked to me normally. We both hopped out of the boat and I said, we've got to go. We've got to walk to the, uh, walk to the ramp. As we hopped out of, the, out of the boat into the mangrove mud, the mud was well over my knees in depth and I was trying to carry her through it and, um, and trying to get her to help me to get across a few rock bar obstacles and a few water holes where there could have been a good-sized croc or something like that hanging out. Yeah, it wasn't the best of situations because <laughs> I poured all the cold water all over Zarina, I ran out of water myself, so <laughs> I was nearly sort of dry reaching just from thirst. Karen her, cradled her, and I ran up to the um, office there at the Leaders Creek, Leaders Creek Fishing Base shop, and I just yelled out for help. Zarina started fainting again. Yeah, it was definitely a pretty scary experience. 
It was about the same time that the ambulance rocked up. We seen the care flight helicopter going overhead, got me to sit up and, um, yeah, <laughs> throw up over the poor, <laughs> poor guy's feet and everything. I was still pretty bad, but um, at least I wasn't passed out anymore. So they all grouped together and they carried me to the helicopter. I was still, <laughs> I was still only in my bra and undies because um, I was still stripped off from checking the hives. So 20 minutes before we arrived in the Darwin Royal Hospital. Yeah, they were pretty certain because when they had a look at my foot, where the march fly had gotten me there was this massive red ring around the toe where it got me and it has to be that they they knew it, it was a severe anaphylactic reaction so previous to that i was starting to get big welts coming up every time i was bitten by a march fly so they think it just built up in my system and um yeah my body just said no nah, that's enough yeah so it could happen pretty much to anyone like i've never been allergic to anything before uh, I got a couple of scripts for EpiPens, which I've got to carry with me 24-7. Yeah, the main thing we took out of this was just how lucky we were that, like, you know, we were there together. Like, if... Yeah, able to make it back to the boat ramp as well because we had no EPIRB on board, so we couldn't, like, flick a switch and at least the helicopter would have been on the way then. Definitely important to bring all that safety gear on board. First aid kit and vinegar and all that stuff is all in the boat now just in case because yeah, you just never know what can go wrong. And like, yeah, we, we go pretty remote here. You know, you get trapped in a river for the day and it's just part of it. If you know you have anaphylactic reactions to things, make sure you take that EpiPen, take plenty of drinking water with you, um, all your safety gear. And um, yeah, always take a fishing buddy because, you know, one day... You can save your life. Bye from us. See ya. We all relate to that. Could happen to any of us. Bitten by a march fly and then trapped in croc-infested waters. First any of us have ever heard of a march fly possibly being a catalyst for an anaphylactic shock. Unbelievable. And what an effort. What an effort by Hubby who, you know, from that interview just sounds like he stayed so calm and collected, which is exactly what you've got to do. Glad to hear you well, guys. You can see the uh, the pics eventually smiling with a thumbs up in hospital <laughs> and the jack that was caught when the day was all going swimmingly early in the early in the park. There at ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Well, thanks to you, Andy. Thank you, Tim. You've done it again. Mikey Campbell, Reese Shearer, Brad Woolham's T-Mud, Ronnie Vukalos. Adrian at Woolliana, WDW and Catherine, to Reese with his first metery, to Roscoe in the Galapagos. Hope you're having just a terrific time still, Roscoe. Belinda and the team, Tin Ass and Super Skipper, Ray Medlicott at Buff Creek, and of course Zarina and Alan. This has been Tales from the Tinny. Get a mullet up, yeah, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>